When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome into a new edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Podcast Network and on Patriots Press Pass. I'm Evan Lazar, joined as always by Alex Barr. Day two of the NFL Combine, at least as far as workouts go. Already some Patriots news today. We're also going to get to some wide receivers stock up, stock down after the workouts on Thursday night. Preview the offensive linemen and running backs and I believe specialists on Friday night as well. I know Alex probably can't let out, leave out Matt Ariza, if he is going to work out tonight either. So uh, a lot going on at the Combine, as you would expect. But we open with the news about an hour ago uh, from Ian Rappaport of NFL Network that the Patriots are not expected to franchise tag J.C. Jackson. We've heard murmurs, rumors of this trending in this direction, but I don't know if anybody's actually put it out there as concretely as Rapshi did here this afternoon. But I think on one hand, you look at it and say $17.5 million cap hit with the franchise tag for quarterbacks this year, even with some cap maneuvering and some shakeups for the Patriots from a cap perspective, that was going to be their big move. If they franchise JC Jackson and free agency, it was going to be difficult to do something else major in the veteran market with that type of cap hit on the books for JC in 2022. So I'm not that surprised about the tag not being in play here for New England. But what is your reaction to it, Alex? And where do we go from here? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty surprised. I think he, you mentioned that that would be their big move. Well, I don't know that there's a better move they can make. Right. I mean, they could, you know, spread the money out, but. The defense was, they they won games defensively last year. For them to win how they want to win defensively, right, they need that shutdown corner. I already had corners a top three need. If you lose Jackson now, it's probably two of the top three. I mean, you're, I think they're in the slot. I think they're fine in the slot. Jonathan Jones, it sounds like it's going to come back fully healthy. No issues from that shoulder injury. But you're looking at your boundary corners at Jalen Mills, who's a good corner, but as we've talked about, this is probably best in that Jason McCourty role as a hybrid corner safety. Then it's Juwan Williams, your number two outside corner, Jackson walks. Yeah. Then Sean Wade, who we don't really know if he's a, a slot guy or a boundary guy yet. And then Justin Bethel. And that's the group. And that, you know, that, that they can't, they can't play. They want to, they can't play the way they want to play with that group. Now, are they going to shift to man here? Maybe possibly we'll see what they do in free agency, you know, if they bring in a guy like Carlton Davis that tells me they're just going to try to run it back. Um, the other thing is if they shift to man, what does that mean for the linebackers, right? right? You're talking about potentially having to overhaul the entire defense. Yeah. So I'm surprised. I'm surprised they're not bringing him back. He's an all pro corner, 26 years old. Uh, I know the cap isn't in an ideal spot for them right now, but I think he, here's the thing. If they don't believe he's worth a long-term deal, then it's not worth tagging him and paying him $17.5 million against the right. cap to have him walk next year. I'm just a little surprised they don't want to give him a long-term deal, given the way everything looks right now. Yeah, I think in really in what it's more about is how the rest of the depth chart looks. And the fact is, right. in their system in particular, it's a lot easier said than done to just draft one of these guys that's going to work out on Sunday out of this cornerback group and say, we're just going to take Andrew Booth Jr. in the first round and he's going to be J.C. Jackson on day one. That's unrealistic. And I think a lot of people also expect 
well, maybe this is a Malcolm Butler, Stephon Gilmore situation where there's another corner that they have their eye on that they like more than their own guy. And they're going to let JC walk and sign Carlton Davis to the big contract instead. But I think Carlton Davis has his flaws. I don't think Carlton Davis is anywhere near the athlete or the profile that Stephon Gilmore was. Gilmore, remember, was a top 10 pick when the Bills drafted him. Carlton Davis went in the 60s, I believe it was, four years ago from Tampa Bay. So not exactly the same situation. I I don't think you're really comparing apples to apples with Carlton Davis and Stephon Gilmore. So when I look at this JC thing, I think it's important to also remember that They've gone this direction with guys in the past. Devin McCourty, Dante Hightower, just last offseason, in a lot of ways, David Andrews was in a similar boat where they let you go out to free agency, hit the open market, and essentially let the market dictate your value. What does the rest of the league think of J.C. Jackson? If they think he's an $18 million a year player, then maybe they do work out an extension in the 11th hour and bring J.C. Jackson back. How many times have the Patriots let a guy hit free agency and it feel everything feels like he's gone and then they bring him back, right? I, I think McCourty and Hightower are probably the two best examples. But even Andrews, I think, is a good example of that, too. Now, those weren't $18 million per year contract players, right? But Devin McCourty at the time was the top of the safety market. Dante Hightower was near the top of the linebacker market. So I don't think it's that unprecedented for the Patriots to allow Devin, or excuse me, uh, JC Jackson to go this direction. And ultimately, I think what it comes down to is that we should remember if they sign him to an extension for multiple seasons, like a four-year deal, then they can stretch out the cap hits, right? And they can right. make it work with, by backloading the contract. For example, Matthew Judon signed that four-year, $54 million contract in free agency with the Pats last offseason. His cap hit in 2021 was only $6 million. So if the Patriots signed J.C. Jackson to a four-year, $70 million contract, then his cap hit in 2022 is probably going to be half what they were be would be paying him on the franchise tag, which would give them flexibility to do some other things still. So I'm not surprised that they want, don't want to handicap themselves behind that $17.5 million number. I would be pretty surprised if they just completely bow out of his market though. If it gets nuts and we're talking about $20 million a year, Jalen Ramsey type money, then potentially they could just bow out at that point. But if it's going to be realistic, I think 17.5 is the starting point because that's the tag number. 17.5, 18 million per year. I still wouldn't rule out the Patriots bringing JC Jackson back at that number. If it gets crazy, then they'll probably do what they do, and and we'll be talking about cornerbacks in the draft, or they'll surprise us all and sign Carlton Davis or make another move at cornerback to make up for the loss. Like you said, though, it's a system that needs cornerback talent. They need cover talent in the secondary to run the way uh, things the way they want to run, and I'm not so sold on them being a full-time zone defense. I, I, I think zone defense has its limitations more so than man, especially against good quarterbacks. And if you look in the AFC, you start talking about Josh Allen and some of these other QBs that could potentially be playing in your division or just in your conference with how loaded the AFC is at quarterback. Playing zone against some of these guys is a blessing and a curse, right? I I think you can really get yourself into some trouble by just sitting back in zone coverage with lesser cover talent in the secondary when you're taking on Josh Allen twice a year. Especially, you know, after you pay all that money, for a guy like Matthew Judon, and if you're in zone, that's going to kind of limit some of what he's able yeah. to do. Even a guy like Christian Barmore, obviously, isn't going to drop back into coverage, but it changes the way. Like, you've built this defense to be a man defense to suddenly make this switch in one year without a personnel overhaul. It's just it's going to be jarring. So, yeah, I, like, I, I agree with you. I, I still think there's a chance they could bring him back. I just think his market's going to be absurd. He's a top yeah. five. Forget position. I mean, he's clearly the top corner on the market. He's a top five free agent on the market in a year where there are teams that have money to spend. Somebody brought up a good point in the chat that the, the corner needy teams have a lot of money. Yeah. So Jackson, you know, there's the report from Mike Giardi. It's going to be a robust market. I do. I, I, I believe that. I think that there's truth to that. And I just don't think the Patriots are in a spot where they can compete in a robust market for an elite 
man press corner. Right. Right now, PFF has JC as the sixth best free agent on the market, but ahead of him is Devontae Adams and guys that are probably going to get the franchise tag, right? right? So eventually when all of the tags and all the extensions are worked out before March 14th, the official beginning of the legal tampering period, I really just the official beginning of free agency. By the time all that works out, he's going to be a top five free agent on the board and certainly the number one corner on the board. So it's going to be a very, it's going to be a bidding war for JC Jackson. Right. Whoever wins the bidding war is going to be paying him a whole lot of money doesn't feel like Bill Belichick is going to want to take part in one of those bidding wars. James Bradbury in the chat, interesting name, plays for the Giants right now. Good corner, underrated player, played for Joe Judge. Sean Wade, obviously his name is is going to consistently be thrown at us, Alex, about what the Patriots feel about Sean Wade. I think they like the player, but any sort of expectation that he's going to be a replacement for J.C. Jackson is getting extremely lofty with any projections for Sean Wade, certainly as an outside corner. He struggled big time at outside corner in college in his last year at Ohio State. I think most people project him as more like a nickel or inside corner slot guy, uh, potentially in the NFL level. So, yeah, a lot going on there with the Patriots at cornerback. We'll continue to monitor that situation here on the pod, and we'll talk about the cornerback workouts uh, tomorrow when we do the podcast to preview uh, Sunday and we'll we'll obviously recap it as well and, and that will definitely be at the top of mind moving forward. I want to take a second to shout out our sponsors at betonline.ag. Football might be over for the season but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. Bet online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS 50 to get started. And it's not just basketball bet online is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage is the best in the business from sports, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet online is your number one online wagering destination, Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet online where the game starts. Well, let's talk about these wide receivers, Alex. A big night last night. Kind of a weird night, right? Originally, it felt like this was a historically fast wide receiver group. Turns out that the uh, stopwatch. Well, it still was. It was pretty fast, yeah. The stopwatch on NFL Network was way off on a lot of these guys, and uh, whoever had had the control of the stopwatch there, I, I don't know if he's still working that NFL Network on Friday, but uh, it, big, big swings on the official numbers for guys at the top especially guy a guy like chris alave who dropped what uh how do you say it over a tenth of a second right i mean right. yeah a big big drop four two six to four three nine yeah yeah it's an easier way to say that and uh obviously uh uh taekwon thornton didn't actually break the record by john ross it wasn't even close it turns out almost a tenth of a second or half a tenth of a second off on that one as well so not exactly the record-breaking night, but still a very, very fast night. We're going to do stock up, stock down. Let's start with the positives. I like I like being positive. So let's start with the stock ups. Uh, the first name I have on this list is your boy, Wandell Robinson, throwing down a 4-4-4 40-yard dash. A lot of fours there. But also, I, I mentioned to you off the air, uh, his splits were really good, too. His 10-yard split, 1.55 seconds. That's in the 80, 30, 4th percentile, somewhere around there. And uh, he showed the burst. He showed that he's got a little bit of long speed to him. And now at this point, a short thing for a top 75 pick, I think. Maybe even conversation in the top 50. Yeah, yeah. I, I tried to tell you. I tried to tell you. I, I know he's smaller than maybe you want a guy who yeah. plays the game he way, he plays yeah, I, know, I know he's smaller than maybe you want a guy to be who plays the game the way he plays it, right. but he's so explosive, he makes up for it. Yeah. And Debo Samuel's kind of been thrown out there as the comp, and I wonder if it's time to adjust that and hang with me here. A young Tyreek Hill, like early on Tyreek Hill, where they were still doing mostly gadget stuff with him, right? Because Tyreek Hill's not a big guy either. I mean, he's a yeah. little thicker than Robinson, but... Let yeah, Robinson sure. get an NFL work room and put some muscle on. 
uh, NFL weight room and put some muscle on. I, yeah, I'm I'm still in on Wandale Robinson. Like I, I think last night, and you know the the way the board's going to shift now. I I think you if you want to add that kind of slot gadget whatever guy, all of those guys I thought had great nights last night for the most part. For the, yeah. the majority of them had great nights last night. So. You really want to start narrowing in on these guys. Somebody's going to slide, and maybe because of the size, it's Robinson. So uh, he's definitely somebody that, that's worth continuing to look at. Yeah, I really thought that his 40-yard dash, the splits in particular, is what stood out to me, as I just mentioned, because I knew that he was explosive watching him on tape. But when you put down a 10-yard or 20-yard split as quickly as Wandell did, that really solidifies the fact that this is an explosive mover. This is somebody that you right. put the ball in his hands and he's taken off with it. I don't love the Debo Samuel comparisons because Debo's so thick, right? Debo's 210, right. 215. Right. Wandell Robinson's not that big. I think he's a better, more polished player than somebody like a Jakeem Grant, but maybe he fits more into that kind of mold than somebody like a Debo who's carried the football 10, 15 times a game out of the backfield last year. I don't think you're doing that with Wandell. Maybe a couple of scheme touches, screen, certainly, but you're not going to make him a featured back, right, the way the 49ers made Debo Samuel. But I do think it's an interesting conversation, though, because with Wandell, I – I think you give a guy like that to Troy Brown and you have some really uh, good potential there. I, right. I think Troy Brown can get some route running out of him. Yeah, he does have shorter arms. I I, I feel that. I, I think that that's a catch radius thing that maybe we can get into. Uh, I'm not super concerned about it. It's not like you're putting him on the outside and having him win jump balls out there or, or make uh, stretching catches outside his frame a whole lot. You're trying to hit him in stride with the football and let him run with it. So I don't really know how much you're going to worry about, oh, he can't go all the way over here to make a catch. You know, that's not right. really the type of game anyways. Yeah, no, I think they can turn him into a into like a Patriots slot receiver. And I said this, I, I don't remember if I said it on the air off the air to you, the gaps in his game right now line up with the things Troy Brown was best at when he was a player. Yeah. Right? So it's, it, you know, the idea of adding some Troy Brown to what he are, some of Troy Brown's what he already has is really exciting. And I would say you mentioned the burst too. Just I would encourage people, we'll sell you on Wanda Robinson. If you go watch him, right? Watch him like in a game. When he's coming up on a defender and he puts his foot in the ground, the way he can change direction and come out of that cut, not lose any speed, not lose any momentum. It's so fluid. The way he explodes out of those cuts, even the minor cuts, that to me is, is what excites me because that's where the Debo comp comes from. And that's where, again, when you want to throw in the high point would be Tyreek Hill. But if you also want to throw in a guy like Isaiah McKenzie, right? When he puts his foot in the ground, the defender is going to miss more often than not because he's just so explosive coming out of that. Yeah. Most people aren't strong enough in their lower body to be able to react in time. So that yeah. that's that's what's so exciting about Wando Robinson. And it, it shows, like you mentioned, in those splits. Okay, so another explosive athlete that really helped his stock last night is Christian Watson from North Dakota State. Basically tested as the best athlete out of this wide receiver group at the Combine. If his official 40, his unofficial 40 time had held, he was going to be an all-time great tester at the Combine. His official time was 4-3-3. It went a little bit back down to earth, but still... 4-3-3 at 6'4", 208 pounds is really freaking moving, right? I mean, that's right. impressive. And you also look at the jumps. You look at the agility drills. He just absolutely killed the entire workout last night at the Combine. We knew he was a really good athlete. He has some, I would say, usage limitations just in terms of how North Dakota State put him in their offense, right? It wasn't a whole lot of variety there. You're running verticals, you're running jet sweeps, end arounds, different types of scheme touches, but you're not doing a whole lot from a route, route tree repertoire standpoint. But again, <laughs> this is an explosive athlete. I think the guy that you would probably compare him best to at this point is maybe somebody like a Chase Claypool, right? Who, who's got that kind of size and that kind of explosiveness. How do you feel now about Watson? Clearly it helped himself a lot last night, probably a second round pick now. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, he's shooting up. And again, at the size too, he's one of the few guys that didn't lose a ton of size measured in at six, four. 
it, he, he's the kind of guy where he's an incredible athlete. He's one of the best athletes at any position in this draft. The question is, how good of a football player is he? He's still pretty raw, right? So that's what it comes down to. That being said, you know, for the Patriots, you draft him. And, and, and maybe he's moved out of this range now, but he was an early day three pick. You take him in the fourth round. You let him sit behind Nelson Aguilar for a year and kind of really work on it. And then you, you move him into a starting role next year. I think that was kind of the ideal setup. Like you said, he might be a second-round pick now. That may go out the window. There's another guy we're going to talk about in a little bit who also could potentially kind of fit into that plan. But, yeah, big night, big, big night uh, for uh, for Christian Watson. And Remember, the Patriots met with him at the Senior Bowl. So yeah. he is somebody who should be on the radar. Yeah, looking at these bigger receivers, the Patriots have – not necessarily had the most success with those types of guys, but we're not talking about them taking Christian Watson, I don't think, at 21, unless his market gets crazy as we get closer to the draft, which I guess theoretically it could, but I, I don't think he's a first-round pick. I think he's a top 50 guy, though, uh, potentially in this draft. Uh, let's stick with the big guys for a second, and then we'll get into another one of those shifty slot receivers, a couple more of those actually here to, to round out stock up. Alec Pierce from Cincinnati. I mentioned him briefly on a show that we did, I think, last week. And uh, I watched his tape late to it, uh, right before the combine began, and really was impressed with his releases at the line of scrimmage, his route running ability at six foot three, sink his hips, get in and out of breaks, things like that. And then he had a terrific workout last night, ran a lot faster than I think most people thought he was going to run. And if we kind of do tiers here, right? Like we like to do on this show. I think Alec Pierce, you know, Christian Watson's probably the second round guy. Alec Pierce is maybe somebody that you can get a little bit later in the draft. If you want that X receiver type, I'm not talking about day three, but maybe you can get him in your, in the third round instead of the second round, for example. Yeah. I it, it's it's cause we were mostly focused on the slot guys last night and that was interesting, but yeah, there were a couple of big guys that had, had impressive nights. Pierce is one of them. I still think, again, if you want to do that value tree, there's one more guy we got to get to who's ultimately going to end up being, you know, weighing, weighing value for talent is ultimately going to end up being at the top of that. Yeah. four four one forty 40 yard dash for Alec Pierce at six, three two fifteen or something like that. Uh, that that's really good. <laughs> that's really moving. If you want to go and sell yourself on the Patriots drafting a guy like Pierce, go watch his game against Notre Dame last year. Absolutely destroyed Notre Dame uh, with Cincinnati and Desmond Ritter, who also destroyed the combine. But this is not a quarterback's offseason for the Patriots, but uh, I was impressed to see that as well. Let's uh, get back to these slot uh, fast guys, though. Uh, quick twitch guys. Sky Moore from Western Michigan. I've been pumping him up a little bit. I'm all on the bandwagon now. I'm driving the hype train here in New England for Sky Moore. Not only did he test pretty well, his agility drills weren't as good as the 40, but I liked uh, the 441 in the 40. But if you watch the on-field drills that they do, and I don't put a ton of stock in that type of stuff because you have tape, right? So you don't necessarily need to watch guys against air. But if you watch Sky Moore run those routes uh, that they did last night on the field, I thought he was the smoothest route runner out of the group and just somebody that was really effortlessly getting in and out of his cuts. Uh, he looks like a fantastic fit for the Patriots in that Julian Edelman type mold. Yeah, he also had the biggest hands of, of any receiver, 10 and a quarter, 10 and a half, something yeah. like that. And you see it, there's a picture online of him catching the ball and he, the, you can't even really see the ball behind his hands. I have it on my uh, uh, combine recap on 985thesportsub.com. Yeah, really strong night for him. I don't know that any one player did more for his stock pound for pound. I'd say it's it's probably either Sky Moore or uh, it's Calvin Austin, right? Yes. From Memphis. Yeah. I mean, if, if I had to pick, you know, the biggest winner among the wide receivers last night, I would, I would have to, I'd probably go more. It'd be one of those two, but I'd probably go more. Yeah. I think with Sky Moore, a lot of people, Daniel Jeremiah said it on the broadcast. Now he's not getting out of the second round. If the no. Patriots want a, a chance at drafting Sky Moore, they're going to have to take him with their second round pick. The one thing that I really liked about Moore when you watch him is that he gets open early in the route, right? It's not, he gets such early separation with his release package and with his stem work that quarterbacks are going to love throwing to him because you just know that he's open 
quickly or you can progress past him quickly if he's not getting open but just somebody that can be a security blanket that can move the chains that can get up the field a little bit now that we know that he runs that 4-4-1 and can create with the football in his hands like I said multiple times now Julian Edelman I think is actually a legitimate comp for this guy I think he runs faster though than Julian Edelman. Edelman was like a low four fives guy uh, when he worked out at the combine. So a faster, potentially in a straight line, Julian Edelman is, I, I think what we're looking at here with Sky Moore. Love that. Calvin Austin, you mentioned him from Memphis, really, really good workout. Basically the best athlete there besides Christian Watson, five, eight, 170 pounds soaking wet. That That's the issue with him. Talk about Wandell having a smaller frame. This guy's right. a tiny. This guy's tiny, right? So the concern that you have with him, great athlete, can do so many things with the football. But how are you going to get him the football in droves? Because is he going to be able to run over the middle? Is he going to be able to actually run a complete route tree at that size? When he gets pressed, he has some trouble getting off of it. He does have really quick feet. He can't elude press coverage with quick moves at the line of scrimmage. But when they catch him, it's over, right? As soon as somebody gets their hands on him, it's a game over. Does add some return value as well. Really good punt returner in college. But this is one of those players where I mentioned Jakeem Grant earlier. I think Calvin Austin is exactly like Jakeem Grant, which is somebody that is a nice compliment. Maybe also you could use Isaiah McKenzie. Right. And it's nice to right. have guys like that, but that's not a feature guy in your offense necessarily. Yeah. And he's the guy you mentioned it in terms of durability. What's it going to be? What's he going to be like at the NFL? He needs to put on serious weight to be able to absorb some hits, especially when ideally he's going to be carrying the ball over the middle of the field quite a bit. So there's a couple of guys like that in this draft. You know, he separated himself from that group top yeah. three in every single, you know, testing drill he, he did. Um, but the size is still going to be a red flag, you know, it, it, with a guy like Robinson com- comparing the two Robinson was a running back. So he has more experience taking those hits. He's also just a little bit thicker, right? Watson. Yeah. It is going to be a red flag with his size. Yeah. I, no, I, no, I, no, Watson. Sorry. Austin. Austin. Yeah, Calvin Austin. He's a gadget player. He's a gadget yes. player. He's a returner. I, I don't see a guy that's going to be a, full-time receiver at the NFL level. You're going to bring them on. You're going to get them the football on screens, jet sweeps, maybe some verticals down the field with his speed. And you're going to have him return the football in the kicking game. Those are the roles that he's going to play probably a day three guy because of the lack of versatility or just the expansion of his role at the NFL level. Bo Melton Rutgers stock up, right? A big oh, yeah. up for Bo Melton and uh, Greg Schiano's back at Rutgers, Alex. So any yeah. of these Rutgers guys with Bill Belichick, you have to take notice. A 4-3-4 in the 40-yard dash for Bo Melton, one of the few receivers that actually put up good agility times as well. Uh, the agility drills were off uh, a little bit there for the Pats, uh, or for the Pats, for, for the Combine in general. So not exactly the best three-cone times coming in, but Bo Melton was a uh, sub-seven three-cone time as well. Watch Second some- fastest three-cone in the draft behind Austin. Yeah, yeah it's important to keep it relative. Uh, I watched some of his tape today was surprised by his role, I would say, in Rutgers' offense. Uh, a lot of verticals. This is a guy that you can see the 4-3 speed, but it's all on vertical routes up the field. Posts, double moves, things even on the outside, not necessarily even playing out of the slot. I expect his role to change pretty significantly, I would think, depending on the offense he goes to, obviously. But there weren't a ton of uh, exposures or reps of him running quick twitch, little underneath routes, right? He's not running the option series and and Rutgers' offense. I'm not saying he can't do it. There just wasn't a whole lot of evidence of him doing it in college. So this might be more of a vertical-type receiver than what people expect when they hear his athletic profile. Yeah, he did a little more of it at the Senior Bowl. I don't know how much of that you you went back and looked at now that you're taking a closer look at him. Um, but we talked about it yesterday. You know, Mac has had at Alabama a ton of success with that vertical slot receiver. Yeah. The other interesting thing to me about Melton, and this is one of the things that really set him apart yesterday, even beyond the testing, you know, where most of these projected slot receivers lost some height. Like, for instance, Wandale Robinson went from 5'10 to 5'8". Um, I think Sky Moore lost an inch. So you look at these guys that are listed 5'10", 5'11", 6 foot, and you think, 
all right, well, realistically, they're 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, they're going to be slot receivers. Bo Melton was listed 5'11", so we go into this process thinking he's probably about 5'9". He's still 5'11". The official measurement is 5'11". He's not big, but that's not exactly tiny either. I, you know, against slot corners, sending him up the field, he's going to have a size advantage. So between what he did last night and then your evaluation of the tape, we had that really interesting conversation yesterday about, do you maybe change the slot role to a more vertical slot yeah. near what Mac Jones had at Alabama? Bo Melton to me is a really intriguing candidate for a role like that. He's not quite a big slot, right? We talked about the big slot no. um, guys like, you know, there, there's a number of guys we've talked about in that role. I don't know that he qualifies as a big slot, but I, I, he could play the game that way. I really wonder if he could play the game that way. And that's a role that Mac Jones would be really comfortable throwing the ball to based on what he did in college. Yeah. He ran a lot of slot fades at Rutgers, which is those yeah. slot vertical routes that can help uh, kind of get some vertical separation from more inside. And what it does is there's so much room towards the sideline. When you run that vertical from an inner uh, a, a alignment out of the slot or in tight to the formation, and it just allows the quarterback to not necessarily have to gut it down the field, but just kind of drop it in the bucket, which makes it a little bit easier for a quarterback like Mac Jones. Right. Bo Melton, I think, is a really interesting prospect for them. He can also do the scheme touch stuff if you want him to, but his route running down the field is better than some of these other guys we've talked about. It's better than a Calvin Austin, for example. Uh, he's a more expanded right. route runner than that. A lot of really good fakes and just kind of nuanced, different uh, – tools that he would use to get out open down the field as impressed by he does this little hesitation fake where he snap his head in the wrong direction and then just kind of freeze for a second and get the corner to bite on it and then go up the field uh, some really sudden and quick movements from Bo Melton I think he's going to be a good route runner as well yep. down the field Not he has the kick return experience too yeah, good kick that there, yeah. Too, as well. All right, one last stock up here, another bigger receiver. Uh, George Pickens from Georgia didn't necessarily do anything to absolutely wow us, but a 4.47 at almost 200 pounds is moving as well. And uh, a player that hasn't played a ton of football right over the last couple of years because of injuries and things like that. So to see him actually get out there and work out, I thought was interesting. I know there's a lot of draft Twitter. There's a, there's a big George Pickens hive out there. A lot of people yeah. are high on him from Georgia. If he had stayed healthy throughout his entire career with the Bulldogs, he might be a top 50 talent in this draft. He might be somebody that we're talking about at the top of that X receiver chart. Yeah. I'll, since you did Pickens, I just want to add a couple names myself. Yes. Um, Tyquan Thornton, obviously from Baylor looked like he ran the record. He did pace the class. He had the only, sub four, three, and he's running sub four, three at six, two. Now there's some concerns about his size in terms of weight. He's 177. He's a bit of a stick, but he's, you watch him at Baylor. He's really good at using his size, his height to box out corners. He's got very good body control, just general awareness. He's a burner that has some of that 50, 50 ball ability. He really does. And then last year, they started sending him over the middle. He was really just running up the sideline, either goes or curls or outs. They started running him on slants more last year when he had that breakout year. And he, yeah. he's he's better after the catch than you'd expect. Obviously, you, you know, fast guys are going to be good with the ball in their hands, but you worry about somebody his size, how much can he get out of tackles? He did a pretty good job of getting himself out of contact. So he's still, I'm surprised he's projected as low as he is. I know the weight's a concern again, 6'2", 177. Yeah. I don't think it should be that much of a concern. I think after last night, his stock will probably rise. But he's a guy I really, for how they run the X, he's a guy I think that could be a, a, a excellent scheme fit in New England. One other guy, real quick, we talked about briefly yesterday, Jalen Naylor, projected UDFA, probably going to stay that way. He just looked very natural catching the ball. Uh, he had, you know, 4-5 flat, 40 He's not really great at anything, but he's kind of good across the board. His stock's as low as it is, mainly because of injuries. He reminds me a lot of Trey Nixon uh, in, in yeah. both the way he plays the game and just kind of his path. And that's the kind of guy where, you know, maybe you bring in once a year and eventually you hit on one of them. So as a UDFA, Naylor, yeah, I could see it last night, kind of. I There were some people who had been talking about they were excited about him. I'm like, this guy's projected to go 350. Where is all this hype coming from? And I saw it last night. And I'm like, oh, 
there might be something there. I could see it. I can see why people enjoy him. So he's somebody I'll watch a little closer. So I had a couple of guys on my list that I put down has stayed the same. Couldn't really yep. put them in a stock up or a stock down, but checked boxes in my mind are the, these three players, uh, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, the two guys from Ohio State, and Jahan Dotson from Penn State. They ran exactly what they needed to run. It wasn't like if Chris Olave's 4-2-6 had stood, then that would have been a different conversation and he's in stock up. No way that he hurt his stock, but he didn't absolutely help it either. I just thought him and Wilson – check the boxes of the first, their first round guys locks to go in the first yeah, round. Yeah. Now the question is, is how high in the first round do both of them go? We'll see. I, I think Olave is still in play at 21. Now that his official time came in at four, three, nine, but what did you think just of those three guys and the fact that really they just, they're, they're, they're good players, <laughs> you know, they're, they're going to go high. That's pretty much, you know, the, the same as what we thought before. Yeah. I was hoping Dotson would run a little faster. To be honest, I thought he might yeah. be able to get sub four, four. I, you know, you've talked about kind of his play strength, getting off the line in press. Um, he weighed in a little lighter than we expected. I was kind of hoping he'd make up for that in the 40 and he did not, it's not a be all end all, but I, I thought he was going to be one of those four, three guys. There was uh, some guys I thought, I don't have all the, the numbers in front of me, but you know, I kind of mentally had these groups like where I had everybody grouped in, right. And, and he was probably a group further back that I, like, I thought he'd be, I didn't think he'd be as fast as Christian Watson. I thought he'd be more in that neighborhood. And he's, he's probably one group further back than that in my mind in terms yeah. of the 40 time. Yeah. So I think the interesting thing with Dotson, I'll, I'll try to get the splits up really quickly is I've used the comparison to Jalen Rager for him in the past and not to crap all over him because Jalen Rager has obviously not worked out in the NFL with the Eagles. But the main reason why I use that is he's a guy to me that is more explosive within the first 10 yards or so than he is long speed fast. And I think Rager yeah. was similar where Rager, I, I, I want to say, I remember did not run as fast as people thought, right? I, I remember watching the combine at the time Rager came in at four, four, seven, um, Dotson was at four, four, three, I think, or four, 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 yeah, four, four, three, four, four, three. So a lot of coverage in the combine with uh, Jalen Rager, all oh, this guy's could run a, a sub four, three, this guy could run a four, three, five flat. And he ends up almost at four, five. And, and I feel like the same thing a, a little bit here with Dotson. And then you look at his splits, a, a little bit of a different story. Four, four, three is still fast. Like that's still a really good number. Right. But he's running in the 86th percentile on his 10-yard split. So he's an explosive guy on his initial movements. He might not have the same breakaway speed as what we thought, but he's got that initial acceleration off the line of scrimmage down. So I think he more or less did what he needed to do. Chris Olave. I would just say real quick, too, on Dawson. Yeah. He's more of a – in my like, he's a very good athlete, but he's more of a football – like. I don't know that the combine is the best example of what he does, of what his value yeah. is. He's a he's guy I think you need to watch him on the field to understand who he really is. Yeah, he's got a lot better jump ball, contested catch, catch radius type plays on his tape than you would expect for somebody of his size. He's not necessarily, he's not 6'4", right? He's not a huge guy, and he can get up there and make some ridiculous catches. Olave, to me, I, I still think that he's my number one guy that I want the most at 21 for the Patriots. I, I just, I can't get it out of my head. He runs a 4-3-9. It's exactly what he needed to do. He is polished. He's a good athlete, but he's not anywhere close to what they've failed on in the past at the top of the draft. This is not anywhere in the same ballpark as Nikhil Harry or in the same ballpark as Chad Jackson. If you want to go all the way back to then, this is a smooth, silky smooth route runner that can also get up the field with good sub four, four speed. I, I can't get him out of my head. I don't think I ever will. I, I don't think he's Justin Jefferson. I think Justin Jefferson was a different animal. Justin Jefferson stood out to me on tape at LSU because of his ability to get open under the defense, right? The quick, acceleration and quick cuts on the short stuff he ran a ton of option routes in that tigers offense because jamar chase was on the outside running the verticals chris olave is more like calvin ridley which i don't think is a bad thing i mean calvin ridley is still right. a really good football player so i think that's a really interesting one too but those are the guys that i had and just did what i expected them to do and stayed the same 
Let's get into some stock downs. Not trying to trash on anybody here, just trying to be honest about what we saw. Traylon Burks uh, running a 4-5-5. Depending on who you ask, depending on what way you want to look at it, 4-5-5 and 225 pounds, speed adjusted for weight is good, right? That's a good number for a guy of his size. But I think as we know from here in New England with Nikhil Harry, if you don't have the speed, you don't have the speed, right? And I think that's a major concern. He looks a lot faster on tape. But I think the one thing that really stands out to me with a guy like Burks is he's a builder of speed. He's not an instant accelerator. He's somebody that builds up speed as he goes. So that's going to really – he's going to have to learn how to get off the line of scrimmage faster and better with his release package. Because if he doesn't refine his releases at the line of scrimmage, then he's never going to have the opportunities to build up the speed because guys are just going to suffocate him at the line. So that will be a big part of his development moving forward. I I'm, I've sort of crossed him off for the Patriots. I, I just, I don't want to go down that road ever again. Like I don't want to go down the road of the mid four fives guy at six, three two twenty five. It just feels he, he if you put him and Nikhil Harry's workout side by side, it's almost identical. I mean, yeah, the two guys are real, real beyond close. the 40. Nikhil was actually probably more explosive as a jumper, right? Nikhil jumped, I think, 38, 39 inches in the vertical. A Traylon Burks' vertical was not good. So this is not a good combine for Traylon Burks. I, I, I don't care if you want to sugarcoat it with speed adjusted scores for weight and all that kind of stuff. He didn't jump very well. He didn't run very well. I just don't think this is a good combine for him. And I still think the right team, if he goes to the right team, they'll turn him into a player. I just, I I don't, I don't think the Patriots are that team. History tells us the Patriots are not that team. Yeah, no, definitely not. And I'm ready for him to be AJ Brown someplace else. I don't think he's Debo. I, I just Debo had a different gear. Uh, Debo's also yeah it's AJ Brown is the comp I liked the like late career Josh Gordon comp that's yeah. not a horrible one not yeah. Cleveland Browns Josh Gordon 200 yeah, yards a game but you know Patriots Josh Gordon is a decent comp I think yeah that's not a bad one either I just Debo was a four four three. he was a he was a low four fours guy at 215 right. pounds his acceleration and his burst is just it just tests differently than a guy like Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks is fast from yard 30 to 50, right? Because he builds up that speed and then he's a Mack truck running away with the football. He's a, in a lot of ways is basically a tight end and a wide receiver's body, right? He's like essentially a big tight end is I think what or a big receiver, small tight end is what you can call him at this point. Another guy that really, I think torpedoed his stock is David Bell from Purdue. Uh, David Bell from Purdue might now be like a a day three UDFA. You run four, six, get the right number here. Four, six, five in the 40 yard dash at the NFL combine these days. I I don't know how anybody touches him in the first four rounds of the draft now. Yeah. I, um, what did Dustin Crum run? Like a four, seven. I mean, he's up there with the quarterbacks. Right. So, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I never got the David Bell height. I'm not saying he's a bad player. I didn't get, you know, some people had him as a first yeah. round pick. I never quite saw that. And, uh, there you go. It's, you know, some comfort. This is what I think the combine is. I try, I try not to like overly change my opinion on players. I use it more as confirmation. And if something really doesn't line up, you know, I'll go back and give it a second look. And I, I, there was nothing really last night that did that for me. I think maybe Burks a little bit. Um, but I feel like everything more or less lined up. You know, there were some extreme numbers, but the guys we thought we were going to be fast were fast. The guys we didn't think we were going to be fast weren't fast. That's kind of, you know, I knew were there David any Bell major surprises last night? I, I knew David Bell wasn't going to be fast. I didn't expect 4.65. I expected him to run faster than but that. But did it? Did you have to reevaluate? Did you have to? Do you feel the need to redo your overall evaluation? No, because I didn't have him that high to begin with. Because That's what I'm saying. I could kind of tell on tape that he wasn't particularly fast. So was he there anybody? He got fed a lot of targets at Purdue, right? Yeah. That's the thing is he was a high volume guy in their offense and he put up great production as a result. He's a smooth route runner. He can be a high volume guy in that type of offense, but 
I, I don't know. It just, and everybody that wants to go back and, and use like Cooper cup and Keenan Allen and, uh, you know, Devonte Adams was like a mid four fives guy or uh, whoever that was five, 10 years ago, guys, like this is a different day, right? This is a different league. If you're not fast in today's NFL and this wide open game that they play now, then it does make a difference. You, I, I think the days of the guys like uh, Cooper Cup coming out of nowhere with the four six and being able to really play at an all pro level in the NFL, I, I just don't see that translating anymore. I, I just don't see. I don't think we're there anymore. I think that guys are too fast. They're too fast. They're too athletic to be able to succeed at that point, unless you are a Mike Williams type who's just going to go out there and moss everybody. Right. I mean, that that's one right. thing, but if you're going to be a route runner, like David Bell is at four, six, five, I, I just, I don't see it as being a high draft choice. Like I, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think how, even a, a, the tape is decent. I, I don't know how you draft that guy in the top 100 in 2022. It just doesn't feel good. Well, I, I would add too. I mean, the two guys you named there, Devonte Adams and Cooper cup, right? Even those guys obviously became elite receivers. They might've been the two best receivers or two of the best receivers in football last year. Right. It took them a couple years to get to that point. Yeah. Right. And some of that is, you know, they were buried on depth charts or whatever, but it's also, it's longer development. You're not going to take a guy who's two or three years away as early as you take, you know, a guy who can come in and contribute on day one. So even if you see that time from bell and you think, all right, well, you know, he still can be good in a couple of years. That's fine. That's a fine evaluation if that's the evaluation you want to have. But you need to know that means that he's going to go be behind a guy like a Sky Moore, just to pull name out of my head. I know they're kind of different receivers, but he's going to be behind a guy like Sky Moore who can contribute right away. Or right. even honestly, um, e even behind a guy like Christian Watson, who's maybe a year away as opposed to two or three years away. So that's, you know, um, you don't have to write Bell off, but if you want to say, okay, well, he can be Cooper Cup. Okay, he can be Devontae Adams. Well, then he's a three-year project. And three-year projects don't go until the fourth round. Yeah, it's a tough one. All right. Is that all the receivers we're going to touch on? Or did you have? Uh, there was, I had two more names on here. Because okay. well, there's a really good question that's been asked in the chat I, a couple times that I want to get to. But let's finish the receivers okay. first. Oh, yeah, two quick ones here. We don't have to spend yep. too much time. Uh, Kyle Phillips from UCLA. There's all this hype about Kyle Phillips to the Patriots because he's a Chip Kelly guy. Bill Belichick had a weird run-in with him on the UCLA campus when the Patriots were out there in 2020. He ran a 4.58 in the 40-yard dash. I did not expect him to be fast. This is a confirmation of what I saw on tape, which is a guy that, yeah, if you want him to run the option series underneath the defense out of the slot, he could be productive in that role in some capacity. But if you're expecting this guy to come in and be a thousand yard receiver, forget about it. I don't even care that his skill set fits what the Patriots typically like out of the slot. He's sudden and quick underneath. He's got no long speed whatsoever and no separation ability down the field. I also don't know that he's as he has that gadget potential that maybe some no. people thought. Like I think some of his draft stock, right? And he was supposed to be an early day three pick, I believe, heading into last night. Yeah, some of his draft stock is tied to his return ability. He was all conference kick returner at UCLA. Not with that speed in the NFL. He's yeah. not really going to factor much in the return game at the NFL. So that's a hit. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Confirmation. I was I I was never as I, I never got the Phillips hype. I know a lot of people got really into it, even to the Patriots. I just thought and I mean, the guy we'll talk about in a minute. There's another guy you can get a couple rounds later who's more or less the same player. And if that's the route you want to go. That, that's where you go, right? So, so if Kyle Phillips ran a four five one, then I would say okay, then that, you know that's pretty solid. Like that, that's that's better than I expected. Four five eight is exactly what I expected for him, and kind of confirms that. In in my mind, you're drafting Kyle Phillips. Is is that really an improvement over a guy like Jacoby Myers? I mean, that's it's the same player. It's a wash, right? if anything. Yeah, if anything. And, and, and so. Okay, you restart the clock, rookie contract, value, yada, yada, yada. But I think we're trying to do better than that, right? We're trying to get yeah. more explosive. We're trying to get faster. Uh, the last guy I wrote down and stocked down, maybe I should have put him and stayed the same because Slade Bolden just isn't going to work out at the combine. Like, yeah. That's not, that, this is not going to be the scene for Slade 
Uh, Slade is a gamer. Uh, Slade Bolden is a, is a smart, cerebral player, uh, but he is not going to win any underwear Olympics trophies. Like, this is just not going to happen for Slade Bolden. Yeah, this, this is what I'm saying. Again, too, he put up very comparable numbers to Phillips, but he's projected, you know, outside of the top 200. So why wouldn't, you know, if Phillips and Bolden are the same player, if anything, I think Bolden had a good night based on what guys like Phillips did. Yeah. You know, not even necessarily his own workouts where the pack moved maybe a little closer to him, those day three slot receivers. So didn't learn anything new about Slate Bolden last night. I, I think anybody who's saying they did is lying to you, right? Yeah. I thought he'd run four or five. No, you didn't. Well, I thought he'd be in the fives. No, you didn't. <laughs> He's a four, six guy through and through. Wes Welker ran a four, six, three. We move on. Yeah. So I don't know. It just, I, I like Slade Bolden in the, in, in the end of the draft better than some of these guys like Kyle Phillips in the middle yeah. of the rounds. Right. And uh, that, yeah, yeah, he is, he is the white wide receiver. Would you, yeah. The only one you yeah. left out was Jim rat. I, I think he is a Jim rat. I, there you I, go. I heard at Alabama, the guy that lives in the film room with Mac Jones, the, the, what's the word, the, the myth, the, the story from Alabama is that Mac Jones and Slade Bolden used to absolutely tear it up on scout team, right? They would go out there, they run scout team, they'd run with the twos and the threes after practice, and Slade and Mac would put on an absolute show uh, together. College roommates, th this is, you know, this is what you do, right? Like, this is what you do to, to give your quarterback one of his guys. You don't have to take a, a second-round pick, right? You, you take him in the sixth round. You take him as a – sign him as a UDFA uh, just just to give Mac his guy, right? I, I, I don't right. – don't, I'd much rather go that route than try to reach on a guy like Kyle Phillips because you think he's a little bit better of, of a player. I, it, it's – it's really a dime a dozen at that point. Now, what was the question that you wanted to get to? So it's uh, Chad Moulton. He asked it a couple times. I think you got to go back like five or six minutes to find it. Um, here it is. But uh, with Malik Willis building so much hype, do you think he could go top 10 and cause a little panic run of two to three quarterbacks before the Pats? So yeah. this is where the quarterback workouts factor in. And we did this little exercise yesterday, right? How yeah. many players outside of the consensus top 21 are going to jump into the top 21 to maybe push a guy like Chris Olave or Andrew Booth down. That's mainly going to be the quarterbacks, whether it's Pickett, whether it's Willis. I did think Willis was really good last night. Another quarterback I thought had a really good night throwing the ball last night was Carson Strong. I don't know that he's going to push that 21, but I don't hate this point. If Willis goes, right, if some team reaches on Willis and then Pickett goes – does the team freak out and run up and grab Carson Strong? And then all of a sudden, now here you go. Now probably Alave or Booth or maybe Jordan right. Davis is in play. So, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a really good question. It's a really good point. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think we have to see all the positions work out before we can answer this definitively. But the quarterbacks being good is good for the Patriots. And, again, I thought Willis was good last night. I thought Strong was good last night. Um, I don't know. Ritter was good last night as well. I thought Sam Howell threw the ball well too. Sam no, Howell's got some zip. No, come on, he left like five throws short. No, he's got some zip on the on the short and intermediate stuff, right? I he know when we came into this, we knew Sam Baker Howell. Mayfield. He's he, like worst Baker Mayfield. Fine. Uh, that's fine. We knew that he wasn't a deep ball thrower, right? He's an RPO guy. He that that's what he does. Throw the ball with some zip over the middle. Uh, Malik Willis did what Malik Willis does when it comes to throwing the football last night. That guy's got an absolute hose, right? I mean, yeah. this is what happens, and, and and it could end up working out for the team that drafts him. So I'm not necessarily saying that it's a bad approach, but this is what happens when you have Josh Allen, right? When you have Patrick Mahomes, when you have Justin Herbert, you have these big quarterbacks that have some mechanical things that they need to tweak or some things that – are a little bit raw, but you see the physical tools are just oozing with talent. And right. Malik Willis is the same type of guy. He's Malik, not that big though. He's five one, a six one, six one. Yeah, he's not. He's not their size. He runs a well though, right? I mean, he. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he's good. He's good with the ball in his hands. And Kenny Pickett also ran uh, tested extremely well athletically. I don't think he because he's not being weighed down with those tiny, tiny hands. <laughs> But the point being that, yeah, Chad's got a good point here. Good question. I think Malik Willis just solidified himself as a top 20 pick easy. 
it might even be a top 10 guy after the way he threw the ball. This is old school scouting, right? This is how it always looks. When you throw the football like that at the pro days and, and at the combine and everybody sees how well you throw against air and you can throw the ball 65 yards in the air, teams are always going to reach for those types of guys. Always. I mean, that's just the way that this works. I also think Desmond Ritter is another one that we should talk about potentially. Great athlete. Yeah, he had a good night last night. Absolutely fantastic athlete. So, I don't know. I, we talked about this yesterday. I, I do think that the quarterbacks helped themselves. That did work out last night just a little bit. Willis threw the ball extremely well. So, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe I was wrong that there could be a run of quarterback here in the top 20 picks that could help out the Patriots. I think they're all reaches still, uh, but it's on it's on the table based off of the way that they worked out last night. And if they yeah. continue that with the throwing session at their pro day, Malik Willis is somebody I think could go really high in this draft because this is exactly what happens uh, with all these types of guys that throw well at these at these events. Yeah, again, I don't know that any of them, you know, if we're ranking just players in terms of talent, I don't know that I'd put any of the quarterbacks in the top 32. Yeah, uh, but that's not the way it works. Teams value certain positions more than others, and it's going to push some guys up. The question is how much. Okay, offensive line, running backs, specialists tonight on Friday night at the NFL Combine starting. I don't know where you're getting that specialist thing from. Everywhere I look, specialists are Sunday. Are you sure? Yes. All Sunday right. is defensive backs and specialists. Let me let me work this look this up. All right, I I definitely saw a schedule that that said that, but I, I could be wrong. And you, I think this sp- I think they arrived in Indy today. The okay, maybe that's it. Anyways, yeah. offensive line and running backs. Let's stick with that then. Who are you looking to have a big night? Who who are you looking out for uh, from the Patriots' perspective? Give me one offensive line and one running back. Um. The offensive line is so tough with the combine for the offensive line. Uh, I guess I'll say Darren Kennard just because he's been my guy since like November. So hoping, you know, our, our one Kentucky guy already kind of picked me up in Wandale Robinson. Yeah. So let's see if we can keep that going. Running backs. Um, I really want to see what Tyler Beatty does. The more I watch him, the more intrigued I am. I still think third down back is a need. I know they met with Kyron Williams today. So maybe he's the default guy to watch, but I can't quit Tyler Beatty. Really, really, really fun player to watch. I want to see what he runs. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give another uh, Bernard Raymond from Central Michigan. I think is oh, going to have him in my mock draft. I think he's going to have a ridiculous workout. I, from everything that you hear about him, he's a really, really good tester. I, I know that some people have written the story about him and, and Volmer. He's been talking to Volmer a lot, just from uh, you know Europe to NFL type of players, both of those guys uh, trying to do that. Trevor Penning's another name that probably is, is going to be of interest to the Patriots as a potential guy in the twenties. But I, I, I haven't talked a whole lot about, uh, about Raymond. I actually like their other tackle a good amount too at central Michigan too. Uh, but Raymond is a converted tight end uh, supposed to have a really good athletic profile, six, six, 300 pounds, long arms, long, big dude, and he can move. And if you look at the Patriots in the past, at that left tackle position, and uh, yeah, he's 24 years old, and because the Patriots all, always steer clear away from guys that are old in, in the draft, right, Alex? Uh, right. So Barnard Raymond, a really explosive mover, left tackle in particular. The Patriots have always typically gone with guys that are a little bit more athletic. And Trent Brown might, is a very good athlete for his size. Nate Solder, Isaiah Wynn. Uh, they want to go with guys that have some foot speed and, and can get out and block. And I think Raymond's going to be able to do that as well. And uh, running backs, I think the guy from Notre Dame, somebody to watch, right? Karen Williams. Williams. Yeah, I think the Patriots will like him as a third down back, maybe a little bit too soon for their liking, but they met with him. He had, plays that role well. Uh, he can play, he can block uh, pretty well too in pass protection. I think he checks a lot of those boxes and maybe – as somebody that they view that could carry the football a little bit more in that sub package role. Maybe he's more of like a Rex Burkett, I, I guess is what I'm kind of getting at than a, a James. Sure. White, right. Well, the yeah. uh, 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 Lance Erline scouting report for him is, you know, he should be used the way James White, Dion Lewis and Brandon Bolden are used, which all three of those players are used differently. Right. So he had Lewis as the ultimate cop. He's a small guy, you know, he's five, nine. I think he's like a buck 80. Yeah. Um, 
but he he was a bit of a workhorse for Notre Dame. So he can carry the ball between the tackles. He's not going to be, you know, a dumper. He's not Damian Harris. He's he's not Ramondre Stevenson. But I think there is some, you know, ball carrying ability in addition to the pass catching that, that he, he ran for thousand yards last year. He's capable. He's a capable runner, certainly. You, you talked me into running back being a, a secondary need. I'm not, it's definitely yeah. not the first tier need, but it's fine. Sec, I, secondary need is right where I have it. Secondary need for the Patriots. And instead of maybe going with, with two thumpers like Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris are two power backs for the Pats right now, maybe right. they look long-term to, to pair Ramondre Stevenson with a little thunder and lightning, right? You got a, the quicker yeah. snap back and Kieran Williams. And then you got the, the power belldozer and uh, Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, that that could be a way to go about this as well. And obviously Williams could play on passing down. So that will be tonight. Uh, NFL.com does not list specialists anywhere for when exactly they are working out. So Alex, I'm, I'm, gonna, I, I'm telling you it's I'm, Sunday. I'm going to trust you on this one. All right. I'm trusting you. It's on Sunday. Uh, so we'll, we'll get to uh, Matt Ariza and, and the specialists on Sunday when they, those guys work out offensive linemen and running backs tonight. Alex and I, are we doing a show tomorrow? We, 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 this is our production meeting. We talk about uh, shows. Yeah, we always do this live. Uh, why not? I don't yeah. think I have anything going on tomorrow. Yeah, we'll do we'll do another one of these tomorrow at three o'clock before uh, the defensive line big day, right? Defensive line and linebackers a big day for the Patriots. There's the oh, official schedule, by the way. Uh, yeah, yeah. Special, you, you're not gonna be able to see that so specialist on Sunday. There, you got the official schedule. I, I need to get uh, get my hands on that. All right, so defensive line and linebackers tomorrow, cornerbacks and apparently specialists all, as well on Sunday. And uh, Alex and I will carry you through the entire week in the NFL Combine, which is about to begin on NFL Network in about 30 seconds. So we're going to sign off and go watch the offensive linemen and the running backs. And we'll see you guys tomorrow. Thanks so much for watching. Thanks for watching our content of the six-time Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. Please subscribe to my podcast, Patriots Beat, on our YouTube channel, Patriots Press Pass, or wherever you get your podcasts for a lot more exclusive content right here on the CLNS Media Network.